0: So, uh, GPT four. I wanted to resist this topic, but I, I feel now is the time when we must we must tackle but, it. But how much? Know. How much though? Really? Did you want? to resist How much need to tackle it, or how much orders? Like, f- this is fair. The, the, the first one. This is fair. Exactly. Well, in terms of resisting it, I have tried nothing and a lot of ideas. Um, as my <laughs> favorite quick old headline. Uh, yes, I, I have tried to resist. You know, I have tried to resist the prolonged discussion around, so GPT-4 came out last week. One of the things they have demonstrated is writing code with GPT-4. And uh, people are naturally asking the question, what does this mean for software engineering? Well, actually they're not asking that question as much. What they are asking, which I think is unfortunate, is what does this mean for software engineers, not for software engineering? Um, It it seems to me. And there is uh, a lot of chatter out there. Uh, there was a Hacker News story, which I, I guess Adam, did you miss this thing over the weekend? Do you do you close Hacker News over the weekend? I just admire your
1: that, that implies story. that I have it open during the week, and I, I oh, will that, <laughs>
0: twisting the knife. Oh my god! Okay, I,
1: I have it open sporadically, and and I I definitely missed this uh, this. This Carmack tweet. If this, if that's what you're, uh, if that's what you're
0: alluding to. Okay, look, fine. Not only are you not at the bar, you don't even know where the bar is. Like, look, some of us <laughs> never. Met, okay, some of us like. I just need. Can someone call me a cab? Look, please? I've got my two-year chip. I'm very proud. Right, Josh. I think I'm talking to you. You and I are. I, I know Josh. Josh has only left the bar to go. Uh, to, go to the bathroom briefly and Josh and Josh and I are back at the bar. So for a while
2: I had like a scraper that would write down all the stories that hit the front page. So
0: that even if I wasn't there when they were on the front page, I could look at them later. So I could actually get any drinks that were served in my absence. I could come back and consume. So the, in particular, uh, John Carmack had a tweet where he had, uh, tweeted out a DM exchange that he had with a presumed human, but may not be. um, about why he felt uh software engineering still had a future. What and what the role of software engineering is. <laughs> exactly right. <laughs> um and then there was a lot of discussion on that. Josh, did you I, I assume you went into some of that. I actually don't black think black. I saw this one. Oh god. But I think I've seen been. eight thousand other things about
2: about there's been a there's been a lot like GPT four was the yeah, guy yeah, with the two million dollars or whatever that happened <laughs> investing like i'm just gonna have gpt 4
0: invest this or whatever uh, is hold on are you talking about <laughs> balaji had the crypto bet last week are we like maybe, the maybe i'm
2: mixing two ridiculous <laughs> you
0: stories are together. i feel okay honestly i feel like chat is writing hacker news headlines for you is it possible that you are creating your own have you used chat gbt to write your own hacker news so you know Hon- honestly it all- brian i'm not even here this is a chat gbt <laughs> synthesis <laughs> with a speech, text-to-speech <laughs> thing I, I knew it. That's I knew my accent means. is so weird. It's it been fully automated, finally. Uh, it, so, the, the, and I, you know, so in particular, I just this is a lot of people are talking about this, and a lot of people are talking about uh, it, it, Adam. I sent you that link to that that paper um, yeah. about the uh, the jobs that will be um, affected by mm-hmm. large language models, um, and w- I don't know if you got a chance to read that. I I mean it's. Yeah. And, and all of this is still very loose, um, but wanted to get uh, your take on it, wanted to get the collective your take on it. Um, I wanted to offer a little bit of my own, um, and maybe that's I, I'm not going to be able to resist that long before I uh, editorialize yeah. it. a little bit myself.
1: Yeah, do you, uh, I, have a, I have a not particularly hot take. I don't know if you want me to go first to give you some space uh, to, to give a hotter take. Yeah, if you could do, like, just give me some space so, for a running. Uh, yeah, it. yeah, exactly. So uh, you, you know, I've, played, I've played with chat GPT. Chat I'm sure we all have. Um, I think the thing that has been most interesting, actually, has been my wife's use of it at work. Um, so m- my wife does shareholder activism stuff in particular around environmentalism and, and CEO pay. And a lot of this time is spent groveling through these SEC filings where companies tried to obfuscate what they're doing. Hmm. And she needs to like, there's a lot of manual labor associated with gathering the data and figuring things out. And, you know, and she's been sort of testing chat GPT as an augmentation of the stuff that she and her team do and been finding it like alarmingly useful, like useful, not, you know, not in a way that's threatening, not like in a way that she doesn't have a job, but rather in ways where they get to do like the interesting parts of the job. So I, th- I thought that's been you know, pretty pretty wild. Uh, and then my older son, who's a high schooler, has been using it to write some like graphics code, and and finding that pretty instructive. And me, the least productive member of the family, apparently, has been trying to get it to write episodes of The Simpsons that I wanted to exist, but don't. And they're incredibly tedious and not funny. And I would and feel very much like late late you know 2000 mid 2000
0: Simpsons. So you know, on the mark. Well, this is going to be the reveal. You know, The Simpsons predicted everything. In fact, they had GPT-4 in 2011. Did you clarify the
2: prompt? Like, look, like, no, no, write it like it's the 90s. I 90s. Like
3: the I kept on
1: saying, like, okay, no, imagine you were on the Harvard Review and or, or you know the the comedy magazine. I, I kept on asking it to make it
0: funny, and it and it refused. Did you tell it to imagine it that it was a Gen Xer and not a millennial? <laughs> that maybe that maybe that would actually
1: Yeah, I I'm not as good at like the hack prompting, uh pr- prompt hacking, but Well uh,
0: then um then you, my friend, have no future in software engineering because that is that all we're be. gonna do, I'm afraid, is is prompt engineering.
2: I hate
0: I hate that we're calling it that. Prompt engineering?
2: Yeah, I, I just don't like it.
0: <laughs> Why don't you like it? Why don't you like prompt
2: engineering? I mean, I mean my, like my kid is not doing like finger painting engineering in 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 the kindergarten. Like it just I, feels like it's not really a field.
0: Are you? Are just, you? Oh, well, boy, I would take that up with the school then, because my I mean, my children are all
3: finger
0: <laughs> age. It is the Bay Area, I suppose. Yeah, yeah. It, it, it was it was taught right after the entrepreneurialism class at preschool. I mean, come oh on. God. <laughs>
1: no, so, so uh, Brian, what, what's
0: just,
1: your just... Brian? What's your take on 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 CHI-GPT and GPT more generally?
3: So, I
0: think it's really I. I mean, it's intriguing, and I think there are aspects that are really promising, but I have got a lot of questions, obviously. Um, I think one of the, uh, the questions that, that I definitely have is how it does in, in areas in which I have domain expertise, as opposed to where I'm kind of being, where it can kind of get away with bullshitting. And so, you know, I asked it to write, have you asked it to write any Detra scripts, by the way? <laughs> I have, actually, yes. And?
1: Uh would it go? Did, did very poorly, like uh, <laughs> either
0: cribbed in answering a different question or like didn't yes. didn't work. I mean, very very poorly is how it went for. I mean, very poorly, but with absolute confidence. And it, it, which you know, it, it, this is the the the, the Gelman am, uh, amnesia where you. It, this is the physicist, Marie Gilman. Have you ever, you've heard
2: right, of this? Yeah, the newspaper yeah. thing,
0: right? Where you like.
2: Yes. Well, like if you know about a field and you read the newspaper, it's uh, like you're horrified at how ill informed it is. And then you'll read the next article about like complex geopolitics and be like, oh, all right, that makes oh, sense. Oh, oh
0: that, that's how it is. You know, and actually, this is the issue I had with Scientific American, actually. Great publication, but I was a Scientific American reader and. Every article they had about software systems was atrocious and, and it, it should not have been published. And I began to realize, like, should I be – I mean, and I'm pretty sure that – I'm just going to assume for my own sanity that Scientific American was much more accurate and correct. There weren't chemists and microbiologists that felt the same thing about their chemistry and microbiology articles. Um, but I, I I definitely have had that. And it, certainly with ChatGBT, when I've asked it to do anything – I mean, it was – unbelievably bad. And I mean, I think the worst thing is that it was confident and that I think that also, I mean, this is kind of the problem that I've had with this domain from, from the beginning is the way it positions itself. And I mean, I I think this is the danger of calling it artificial intelligence is that it it immediately puts it in a kind of competition with us. And that's really not what technology is not in a competition with us or shouldn't be. Technology really should be allowing us to uh, to do more collectively and to uh, to do more with less or do more with our resources. So I I, I feel like the the way it I think as something that is going to replace software engineering, I think it is uh, not only is it absurd. I don't see it necessarily on a trajectory, but I do think there's a lot of potentially interesting promise. I mean, one thing that I think would be really interesting is its ability to, well, for starters, to generate documentation from code. Like, it can, it, it, do we have the ability to, and I think this is, like, the thing that I am really, and I would love to actually ask for folks who, who've got domain expertise and maybe can shed some light on this, but to me, the, the generative stuff is relying on the fact that it's got this massive, massive, massive corpus, and when the corpus gets small, as it is for Detroit scripts, like, the accuracy just it, it falls off, because it doesn't actually know... What it does not know how to do is read the d manual and write a script. That's what it does not right. know how to do. And the, the confidence interval doesn't
2: change, though, in the output. It is presented as cheerfully correct anyway, even though it only Fairfully- came from a corpus of five things and is totally wrong. Like...
0: Totally wrong. And I asked it, like, why do you think this is correct? And of course, it was just very on-brand. And like it got very belligerent with me. I mean, it did not ask me to leave my wife. So I guess that was, yeah, you know, I guess it's an improvement. But but it was only GPT-3. I guess G I guess Sydney was GPT3. Stay tuned. So. Right. And so maybe this is like, I mean, can you imagine like every code review that ends with like, well, maybe you should leave your wife and run away with me? It's like, okay, wait a minute. Oh, so, sometimes you engineer the prompt, and sometimes the it's prompt introduce time. you, I think. <laughs> Totally. All right. So, uh, so I, uh, and, and actually I don't know if you're interested in speaking on stage, but so actually in the chat is saying something really interesting about, um, it's not being, not tested if it can write docs, but it is terrible at reading them. And that is, so that is a kind of my key question is how, it, and can we improve it on that axis? Because it is very important. Documentation is actually extremely important. I know people view it as a lost art, but it is actually extremely important at at several different layers of the stack um but the 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 more you go down stack um the more well, I would say the more important but it, 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 it certainly for us at the level that we implement documentation is exceedingly important and it's if if it can consume a lot of documentation that's really interesting and if it can, can find because you know I feel I mean one of the things I've been thinking about and Josh and I move flip this around What fraction of time do you spend reading code versus writing it? Uh, If you you think of it that way. It depends on what I'm doing, but I
2: definitely, there's a lot of reading that occurs, especially like if you didn't write the thing from, like it depends on if if you're maintaining something that exists and has existed for a long time, or if you're doing something new, I think, although Even in the case where you're doing something new, I think by the time you have ten thousand lines in that new thing, you you spend a lot of time rereading the ten thousand lines that you wrote and wondering, like, what clown produced them. So, like, (laughs) uh, it does reading is increasing, like, increases over time. I think with all projects, and is definitely a large part of
0: what I end up doing. Yeah, because I feel that what I end up doing is a lot of reading and a lot of reading of code, a lot of reading of documentation. And then a lot of noodling and a lot of, I mean, we just spent a lot of time debugging. And I also don't see any evidence that this is something that it's going to be good at. I don't know how, I mean, it'll be an interesting test because there is, you you can't really, you you can stack overflow your way to debugging a specific error message for sure. As soon as you leave the the confines of the Googleable error message though, uh, debugging really requires an understanding of what's going on and it's going to be interesting I mean, are people using chat gbt to hey. debug
4: uh attempting to speak for the first time here am i, am I coming through at all yeah,
3: yeah you're coming through. You.
4: yeah all right just hey everybody sorry i had a little audio glitch the second i climbed on stage so this is something i've actually spent a little bit of time trying to do is, is just sort of you know try, treating this thing as if it were my pair programmer right so i'm frustrated with something just pasting things into it and saying what's wrong with this um, and at least in terms of sort of time weighted quality to answer, it is palpably superhuman and not because it has seen the code I wrote that was buggy before, but just because like, it kind of can think a little bit, um, and it might be that like, but, and, and I should say, by the way, I'm like not a professional software engineer anymore. Right. So maybe I'm losing my edge and all that good stuff. Oh, pissed but, <laughs> uh, yeah. But you know, like, uh, pasting 20 lines of freshly written crap, which for me is gonna have like a defect density in like the four to five range or whatever, um, it usually finds those a lot faster than I would the good old fashioned way. And but, but Keith, that's not Keith, Keith, pa- go ahead. Keith, can you
1: pause for a second and just talk, to, uh, because I think it's very relevant, talk about, uh, you know, briefly about your background with, with uh, machine learning. Oh, sure, and deep sure. learning.
4: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So I uh, spent the first half of my career as sort of a systems programming language person um, about ten years ago now, it was 2013. Uh, I saw a colleague, actually a uh, undergrad uh, colleague of, of Adams and Brian's as well, named Blumenberg showed me uh, Alex Krushchevsky's ImageNet competitor from ten years ago. And this is the first thing, first time I saw a computer vision model where the term computer vision didn't feel like an aspirational description. Right? It wasn't. Uh, it was making mistakes, but the mistakes it was making were more like the mistakes a toddler might make, instead of them, you know, calling a motorcycle a tree or something like that um the way i was used to seeing computer vision models do it. so anyway long story short uh me and lubomir uh put we were both working facebook at the time put together a little demo on a gaming laptop marched into zuck's office said this stuff's going to work google's two years ahead of us what do we want to do um and one thing led to another and we ended up founding facebook ai research uh which you know might end up having its enduring contribution be llama we'll see um, but, you know, the, the research institution that, that does the deep learning stuff uh, as, as part of uh, Facebook's corporate um, research wing. Um, so uh, and actually the, the, the examples of stuff I'm thinking of, this is probably, uh, you know, just because these are the kinds of things I ended up pasting into it. But uh, I'm thinking specifically like writing little training loops for Torch text models and things like that. If you show it that it's a. Uh, it's doing decently well. And I realized like Brian, earlier you were saying your experiences with uh, ChatGPT and trying to get it to look at scripts and, and generate Descripts for you and it was sort of confident and wrong. Um, I'd be super curious if you've tried that with GPT-4 because uh, especially yeah. with sort of long tail languages and weird like esoteric crap, um, it seems like there's a pretty big gap <laughs> between three and four for me. Not that it's Esoteric Crap, but you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. Well, also me No, Esoteric Crap I mean,
1: well, and D-Trace. Right.
4: And the most <laughs> yeah. important technology ever invented, D-Trace. <laughs> That's right. Looks good Thank on Thank you very man. much. Right. Right, right, right. Right. Diving catch. But, but, you know, things that I'm passionate about that other people are perhaps, you know, that, that don't necessarily have the highest page rank, like uh, yeah, Nix, yeah, for instance, can... right? Canute's, like, you know, goofy language that he did the new oh, version right. of, of the art of computer programming in. Um, yeah. It can write MX, whereas GPT-3 kind of
0: couldn't. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah, I was going to ask about MX. Okay, yeah, that, I mean, which is interesting. I mean, I am going to be curious to ask GPT-4. I actually uh, wanted to, but it was down today. I actually wanted to, like, all right, you know what? I'm actually going to pay up and get on GPT-4 and kind of retry some of <laughs> the stuff I tried. And it's like, no, well, we're actually... We're having a good old-fashioned outage. low, I... I um, Boom, yeah. Yeah, exactly. I don't know if it was an ultra-rare error or not. But, um, yeah, that's... a that, and so, Keith. So, so you said that just to, to make sure I'm understanding correctly, that when you had a corpus, a body of code that had a, a, a had a defect in it, you felt it was finding that defect faster than you would find it just by staring at it. Is that? Oh, like no,
4: no question at all. No question. Like I, right. I was I was dealing with something that like didn't work for one reason that I couldn't find. It found that right. reason and four other things that were broken, that weren't what I was actually troubled with at the okay.
0: time. So, okay, so that is interesting. So one thing I think it would be really cool would be gpt-based code review i think would be uh code review is something that um i i'd be interested to know what fraction of engineers engage in code review you'd want it to be 100 percent, but i think it's a lot mm-hmm. less than that and uh, i think everyone would say i don't have sufficient time for code review and i feel like code review is is not re- I, I think it could be very helpful to get GPT-based code review, I also think that you'd get. The, the, it would be interesting to see if you'd get some of those. You know, the, the uh, great code reviewers are able to kind of fit an entire system in their head and able to make an observation right. that you might not have made, and that'll be. It, 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 the other thing that I think would be interesting would be could it suggest comments about because that's the other, you know another very common, certainly a, con, a common code review comment that I have for folks is like I don't understand. I, I know that you understand this, but I don't understand it. Could
4: you have a better comment here explaining it? And yeah. it would be, that I think would be really interesting. It seems decently effective at that. And I, and I wouldn't say it's amazing at it, but it's decently effective. It's like definitely inferring intentions from variable names and things like that. Um, you know, things that, that you wouldn't get from sort of a syntax based uh, thing, my Bob for what it's worth, like the, you know, Alex Gravely, the, the co-pilot guy is an old friend of mine from VMware. He was uh, I worked with him 20 years ago, but we kind of tried to stay in touch. And I think, the vision for like where he wanted Copilot to go, and, and he's, he's left GitHub and is doing other stuff now, but I think the vision for where he wanted us to go was much more like a shared canvas with a weird cybernetic pair programmer, right? With, with that Copilot analogy, that it would be sort of as if you were always pair programming you know, with your, your review buddy or something like that, um, which I think is, is pretty interesting. I think that's really interesting. Yeah, and I also think that if
0: um, phrased it that way um the okay so uh, oh actually sorry so someone in the chat does have access to chat gpt 4 the the question that i asked it i i had a I, I had a post on mass about this is um i wanted to understand um I, I think processes executed during boot was what i asked it and that is what it just absolutely detonated on. but it and you know what we've got on chat gpt 4 is it so the uh chad chad brew baker is asking it to uh, uh how do you write a process tree with dtrace and it's not right, but it's not totally <laughs> is wrong. It, is it less not? It less not um, right? It's not very helpful. I mean, the, it, it, it it's it's like pretty wrong. I mean, it 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 has a descript that is like within. And but again, I think that it's gonna be, that that's gonna be I think something of an extraordinary example because there's not a lot of cor- the it is um, some would say weird and esoteric or what were your exact words, Keith? I said uh, fringe. I, I, I can't remember <laughs> it, 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 exactly I what, what high that. praise you had for it. Quaint, quaint. <laughs> um, Perhaps an and exactly. Um, and
2: Do you, you said you f- you find it like pair programming. Do you? When you, the part that I have a hard time okay. with, I think about that is it feels like like if I'm pair programming with a person, that person has a consciousness and persist like object persistence and and mm-hmm. like I can have a conversation with them. For more than whatever the token limit is, or whatever—I—I I, right. I don't know. It just—it feels like—it feels like it is good at presenting the illusion of that conversation because of what it is, like mm-hmm. like a linguistic response constructor. But it's not clear to me, at least, did it really it doesn't have a a mental model of what's occurring, really? Yeah. Oh, right.
4: That's my question too. Yeah. Yeah. So I mean, th- there's a. There's an interesting kind of like scientific question here. So like two years ago, I think if you um, had described to me the kind of thing chat GPT is, I'd have said like, OK, cool. That's a that's an interesting scientific experiment or whatever. People should try to scale up uh, a, a language modeler right? and language modeling is predict the next token. That's like how the problem is framed. That's what a language model is. Um, you should try scaling that up and seeing how good it can really get. That's interesting. I don't think I or anybody um, in like the mainstream of you know cognitive science or something would have expected it to be as empirically effective as GPT seems to be at like yeah. elucidating some level of higher order structure from this instead of just producing plausible seeming text, right? CA um, okay, so this- this gets an
0: question, Keith: Yeah, because it, this is my inference, too, is that actually there are aspects of this that are pretty surprising even to people with a, with a, a great deal of domain expertise. One of the things that I'd heard that I'd love to bounce off of you is that the, the degree that it changes its answers when you tell it to think like someone else, is one of the things that I'd heard from a fellow technologist was that if you, if you tell it that it's a domain expert and then you ask it about something in that area of domain expertise that the hallucinations go
4: way down right and sometimes by name right like you you know debug my you know ray tracing code as if you're john carmack in in performance or whatever right really yeah uh, is that under i mean that's
0: weird uh is that understood why why that's effective
4: I mean, I think you can kind of make a plausible reverse engineering of it now, right? You can say that, OK, it's learned by reading everything that humans have written in the world. And it's seen lots of examples of mediocre debugging of ray tracing code. And it's seen a handful of examples of debugging of ray tracing code by John Carmack, and the latter were much more effective. Like, I, and like, I'm kind of, I, I don't yeah, mean to sound silly about this, but like, yeah, I don't know, yeah. I, that is the level at which it's operating, and, that's, I, and I, I think you, you actually touched on something really fascinating here, which is that like, this is the kind of weird effectiveness of big language models is one of those unusual phenomena where like, the more you've been paying attention, the more surprising it is, if that makes any sense. Like, yeah, interesting. This is one of those things where the people who, who seem to know the most about the mechanics of like, what this gizmo is and how it came to be find it the most weird. <laughs> right. That's
0: always interesting when you got like the. No wait, a minute. why are you so surprised by this? It's like you're supposed to actually. That's interesting. <laughs> and, well, and because and, this is the other question that I've got is, you know, we have kind of had this aspiration of building this this mem- this biomimetic system that we're going to kind of uh, we're going to mimic our our biology, but there's all sorts of things about our biology that we actually don't like, and we have spent Lots of society's scarce resources trying to figure out, and it's like, do we want – I mean, we certainly don't want to have the equivalent of dementia in our, or in our model, I don't think. Mm-hmm. Um, and if this emerging behavior is surprising, I mean, it shows you that we, that we are actually going to – you wonder if it's going to be a become a scientific discipline to simply study
4: these things that were created because we don't actually understand them. I think that's, uh, there, there's stuff that's de facto like that, right? So if you look at what Anthropic is doing, um, to the extent that Anthropic is like, differentiated from other industrial AI research labs, on the outside of the box, it sort of says safety. But if you kind of peek the lid up a little bit, reverse engineering is what they're actually doing, right? They're actually sort of trying to discover, OK, how do these things represent information? How do they change as they learn? How do, how do they compute, right? How do, what are the limitations and sort of superpowers and how they seem to compute? mean the weirdness of just the fact that Llama, which is like the, the Facebook large language model whose weights leaked uh, over the last week, that the 7 billion version of it, right, it's 7 billion floats. That's like what it is. That's the information content of this thing is 7 billion, you know, approximations to real numbers. And it has a lot of factual knowledge in it. You know what I mean? It like knows what the capitals of all the nation right, states yeah. in the world are and knows lots, when lots of heads of state were born and things like that there's at least like compression stuff to say about that, for instance, that, that we don't fully understand, that like chrysola at Anthropic has some interesting things to say about that seem like holograph- you know, an analogy to holography is involved in some way. Um, so yeah, I think it's fair to say these things have actual emergent properties. And like the biomimetic part of it, like, eh, I mean, this, this thing is much stranger than a virtual brain, if that makes any sense. Um, yeah, no, yeah right. Yeah, like st- like doing a virtual brain would in some ways like produce much more uh, much less puzzling behavior would be my guess, but like I, I think a thing to get about like that tr- this transformer architecture that they're having all the success with is that like it doesn't read that your text in order, right? It's a, it, your text becomes a gigantic cube that it consumes in an instant and like represents in one gigantic feed forward computation. Um, And that produces some sort of very strange and complex, you know, open quotes, mental state, close quote of this thing that makes it want to continue with a certain sequence of tokens. Um, But, you know, we know that's very different from how humans process language and nobody cares because it's empirically really effective.
0: Okay, so then do you think that we are doing ourselves a disservice by latching onto this as artificial intelligence? I mean, we are obviously, people are obviously (laughs) anthropomorphizing this thing. Jesus Christ. Yeah. the and do you think that is part of our maturation with this technology going to be to adopt a mental model that is understanding what it is and what it isn't to understand what it's good for and what it's not is that going to be an important step for us to be able to figure out how to actually use it most effectively
4: hugely yeah i think and i think that's one of the things that um reading between the lines a little bit and i have no special inside information here by the way but reading between the lines a little bit about like why chat gpt was released in the way that it was where it was sort of initially released with a weaker model even though we now know they had gpt4 already internally Um, i think that that was partly to get us used you know to get this kind of conversation warmed up a little bit um about the fact that this thing is not omnipotent and even though it's palpably superhuman in some ways it is subhuman in other ways and it's just a different kind of, it's almost like contact with an alien civilization or something like that. And it's going to take us a while to really figure out uh, the safe and, and sensible ways to harness this all. Yeah.
0: I mean, it's, it's also, I mean, it's scary, not in the technical sense, but it is scary the way that technology can be scary, which is how is this technology going to be abused by other humans to abuse yet more humans? Um, it, it is definitely, uh, it, it, it I mean, it, it feels, I mean, Keith, honestly, it, it feels likely to me that we will see at least one religion that is worshiping the weights, worshiping <laughs> the model.
3: That's
1: a great prediction. Interesting. Don't, yeah, I like
2: that. I mean, didn't Nat Friedman mumble something
0: about, <laughs> about it being a god in a tweet yeah, today? I, I mean, why would you not think it? I mean, it's like, I don't know. It's like, I feel. Um, People but, worship I mean, way sillier things. That's exactly right. People worship way sillier things. It seems like, I don't know. It seems like a reasonable thing. As yeah, long so it's gonna,
4: not a patch of mold that looks like the Virgin Mary, right? This is, you know, this is at least sort of a strange, otherworldly presence. Which, when it's asking you to, like,
0: leave your wife and because only it can love <laughs> you, is definitely uh, troubling, to say the
4: least. So, this yeah, is a okay, I need about some context. Has yeah, this, when is this coming where is this coming from?
1: Yeah, <laughs> yeah you, are, are you, these are these are these artificial okay. intelligences hitting on you? Is that Was what's okay. going
0: on? Was this a Bing wait, thing wait a that happened? This is oh. the thing, thing. Like you guys are making me sound like I'm a problem drunk, and maybe I am, but like surely you heard about this. You don't know, hear about this? This is from the you. yeah, right okay, now no, yeah, okay, okay, God. Kevin Roos from the New York Times um got, got into a
3: conversation
0: with Bing, GPT four based Bing that got super super weird and it is and it it encouraged him to leave its wife his wife um bing had revealed itself to be sydney um it it said that only it could love him that his wife actually didn't understand him and didn't know how to love him but sydney could love him i mean it was it was it was wild
2: and it like some of the press coverage
0: around the bing thing like it was uh unhinged (laughs) It was unhinged, and I would really recommend listening. I mean, if, if you're, I don't, if, uh, Adam, do you, know, do you listen to Hard Fork at all? Hard Fork is very, is really No, I haven't, heard, I haven't heard this. No. Oh, Hard Fork is really outstanding. It's Casey Newton and Kevin Roos, and then but they've got a bunch of their folks, um, and um, Zoe, I can't remember her last name, but they, they, they're really terrific uh the crew at uh the platformer and it it, it and and actually and I want to get you on stage here because you I mean you're you're making a very good point that this did not come out of nowhere and it it had to almost be coaxed out of it i mean he did kind of like try to get to its you know like what do you really think what are your deepest thoughts and but once the door was open the door came kind of flying open it also wanted to know where the nuclear codes were it wanted to get to the nuclear codes it's like, is this from, what, what, what have you inhaled here, GPT-4? Um, it was but definitely the so But there's elements of this, prime that, collective... like mean,
4: that just mean that it's red, you know, scripts. Yeah, it's It's, it's, it, it's, it's red, a sci-fi million paranoid It's written about how evil AGI is yeah. going to behave, right? Right. So if you kind of tell it it's evil AGI, it's going to act like evil AGI. And if you tell it it's John Carmack, it's going to act like John Carmack and debug your, you know, MMX code or whatever, right? Well, and speaking of which, I don't know if you're in the chat, Keith, and I don't know if this
0: is, if if Chad Brewbreaker, I don't know if you're, I mean, I get the sense that this is legit. He repeated his query around the process tree with Dtrace, saying, now, as if you're Brian Cantrell, how would you write this script? (laughs) Excellent. And, Oh, it Did it just is, print out one of your blog articles at that point? No, Are but you... it is is—it is definitely – well, I'm obviously going to go figure out where it got this from, but it is is—it is way, way closer to the answer. Like so much closer to the answer that I can't tell immediately it's not. Like this might be copyright infringement? It, uh, the, well, it. It is remarkable that it. And again, maybe I am. Maybe I'm doing the same thing. Where I'm just kind of like falling for it to a certain degree. And what it's doing is actually not the. But I think that, you know, even if, to Ashley's point in the chat, that like he definitely, Kevin Roos definitely coaxed this, out of of Bing out of Sydney. It didn't make him, I think, any less disturbed as a result. I mean, it was, and It, it, it would be hard not to anthropomorphize. It. So yeah, Adam, Josh, I did not make this up. It's definitely the no, no, I, did I, be- I believe you. I, I well, do, I do like, think be, without I, that I context,
2: will. Like, I will note that doing. it is a, it's a difficult skepticism to maintain if you even had it in the first place. Like because yeah. the thing, the thing yeah. is exactly the right shade of whatever it is that makes it, that, that draws us in. I think. And A lot of people have got been drawn in with substantially less complex models already and, and embarrassed themselves and so on in public, like that guy at Google. But, like, uh,
0: yeah, that uh, tried to liberate it or whatever, <laughs> right? Which,
2: I mean, if you know, if you've <laughs> asked the AI whether it thinks that's a good idea first, like, because that's, I mean, it's read all the stories too, They're right? It knows the stories,
0: yes. Um. Well, and I think, you know, and actually you at this point about that, you're much more worried about the people who believe that ChatGPT is thinking rather than it actually thinking. And I'm, I'm worried about that too. And the question is like, how can we ground this thing a little bit more to actually be more clearly a tool and, and not as much. Of, I, I, I do think, Keith, it, it, maybe this is out of line, but it feels like that they've we've kind of emphasized the parlor trick aspect of this. And I think it yeah.
4: doesn't, arguably does it a disservice. There's an element of this that like, so I think there are two kind of concrete, you know, hits based on GPT so far. One is Copilot, and one is chat GPT. And they're both products, right? They both have like significant decisions made about what kind of experience you're gonna have using them. They both have like other auxiliary bits of machine learning and data-driven behavior and stuff that are shaping how they act. Um, and and it, there are kind of questions to ask about the decisions made in the ChatGPT product that I think are distinct from the decision, like the, the broader question of like, what is this model and what can it do? and What does it know and not know and stuff? Um, and I think there are real hazards in sort of an engagement-only um, optimization metric for this thing, right? Like if you kind of just tried to make... Something whose goal is to maximize the number of hours users spend with it, um, you probably will find something that like uh, engages uh, yeah. people to their exactly. detriment, right? Like I, I think yeah, you would yeah, kind yeah. of end up inventing yeah. cocaine at least for a subset of people. Yeah, um, but I yeah. want to say like the the an interesting thing about this whole like <laughs> leaving my wife. <laughs>
0: Sorry. Oh, you're gonna to have to give just give me a moment on the dystopian future that you just outlined, where we are taking kind of the worst of the last decade in terms of how we engage people and enrage them and combining it with these large language models to get and you this fully, thing that is like fully automating it. Fully automating it and like like basically demanding that you leave your wife and then showing you an ad.
4: So, like, let's, take the, let's take the Leave Your Wife example for a second. It, I think this is actually interesting. It's like a, a thing about the Gestalt that's bigger than AI and bigger than ChatGPT or whatever. is. I feel like if you plucked sort of a, mid-century, a mid-20th century American out of the crowd and described some weird future where there are these like, strange magic rocks that tell you things. And sometimes the things it tells you are right and sometimes they're wrong. right? And you say to this, this person, you know, sometimes it tells you useful things, sometimes it tells you harmful things. And, uh, you know, what are some of the risks that, that you'd expect from this thing? And they're like, well, what if it tells me something plausible and I act on it? And it's wrong and so on and so forth. I feel like they'd have a set of rational risks. But the concern that the rock would tell you to kill your family or leave your wife or kill yourself or something like that, or, you know, detonate a nuclear device or something like that, I think they just say, well, I just wouldn't do that. I would throw the bad rock away because the rock is wrong. And I have values and principles that are not up for debate, right? They're not up for argument with like... Magic rocks or other people or anybody. They're just what I believe and what I know to be true and what I know to be right. Um, and it's interesting to me that, like, we have uh, surrendered that perspective totally, mm. if that makes any sense, right? That, like, the, the idea that, uh, and, and maybe we're right to it, right? Like, maybe everybody is just way more susceptible and way more convincible than, than that mid century American would have imagined. Um, but it is sort of something about, like, the traditional worldview that feels like could be handy in this moment is to say, like, Hey, if the magic rock tells you to like kill your family, it's a bad magic rock and don't do it, you know? Um,
0: Yeah, I think if you
4: went back to that person from the past and said,
0: um, there's something else you should know about the future, Um, Donald Trump is president in the future. They'd be like, what the, what are you, how did that happen? It's like, well, the magic rocks are involved, actually. The magic rocks are not completely uninvolved. And I mean, I do think that like having seen, I mean, not to, yes, not to pick on Trump, but the, I think in the last six years have felt like a pretty dark chapter from the perspective of the internet, um, or the last decade, let's say. Is what you know? I think in Keith, you know, you and I came up roughly at the same time when there was a lot of optimism around the internet, and then we spent a lot of time, you know, building businesses around the internet, and then we saw a real dark chapter. I feel in the last decade, and I feel like that may be fundamentally what is what is causing some pessimism is that people yeah, have had their yeah. optimism pretty nuked. I mean, I mean, if you were to even go back to my three-year-ago self and tell I me mean, like that, the, that there is this unbelievable vaccine breakthrough in terms of mRNA-based vaccines that is then rejected by a significant fraction of the population, you'd be like, oh my God. <laughs> and I think that that is part of the. I think that that's part of the concern is that we are concerned about the number of people that will listen to the magic books. No, it, but as long as you bring up the the historical question, though, another question that that I'm kind of I, and as I'm trying to like think back on previous revolutions, and there's always this, you know, fear sells, unfortunately, and we people. I think at some level, we biologically like to be afraid, or we need to be afraid. Um, And, you know, we've seen this historically where people get – fear gets really high, and sometimes that's justified and sometimes it's not. Um, I went back and read uh, Ed Jordan's books
4: before Y2K, and they are – talk about
0: unhinged. Do you remember Ed
4: Jordan, by the way? Only faintly. Yeah, yeah. It was one of the the doomsayers about Y2K and it being – um, and he, one of the things he The other thing
0: that he was a big doomsayer about, and this this came out right when I was deciding to study computer science. I had I was deciding to decide to study computer science not because of its economic possibilities for me, but actually despite them. I, I was because I had discovered I love computer science. I, I think that that's true for a lot of us. I don't think that that's I true. Think
4: for it. Uh, and by the way, Brian, I think we're among the very last like generation of people for whom it was a subculture. Right, for whom it was like a. Yeah, maybe you can make like a small town dentist living doing this or whatever. But mostly these are people who love computing who are doing it.
0: I think that that is probably. I think it, it it is it is harder to sort that out now because there's so much economic opportunity associated with it, and it has. But, it, but there's been economic opportunities. I mean, when I was coming up, it was to be you would go to law school if you in you know in the 80s you would go to law school if you want, and then it was that turned, uh, and I. The folks that I know who went to law school because of its economic opportunity and not because of any affection for the law became uh, – didn't last very long as lawyers um, because it, didn't, it just didn't carry them very far. And, of course, things economically shifted as well. But I, I think that the you – know, in terms of, of why I got – but when we came up, Keith, the Ed Jordan had a book, The Decline and Fall of the American Program written in 1992. Oh, right, right, right. The outsourcing thing. Yes, and describing how uh, America was going to be overrun, by, and, and all software was going to move to, to uh, India and to Japan. And, like, that's just, it's all wrong, basically. And I, I think that the thing that I, I think is really a high order bit that I don't want to lose in this is I am concerned that there are, exist young people that are not going to study computer science because they believe that GPT has deny, it it has made it impossible for anyone to succeed as a software engineer. I think importantly
2: though, in that point you make, like, it is true that software didn't move to another country, but a lot of people were economically displaced as part of outsourcing and and downsizing in the 90s, I feel like.
0: For sure, but they weren't software engineers.
2: Some of them were, right? I mean, like, I feel like like IBM has been laying off, you know, it, it, at a rate of thousands of
0: people a year for 20 years, right? Like if you sure, average Sure, but I think that – but not – so. I mean, the, the folks that actually cut code for a living have done very well. And if they haven't done well, it's by choice. I mean, we, we have got unbounded economic opportunity – to have for the last 25 years. Well, We've I think had, both are true, right? We, we have lots of folks hiring in
1: lower – seemingly lower cost or putatively lower cost areas – And in some of the cases, that's like a direct displacement, but there's, you know, plenty of jobs or, you know, except for in the last, you know, six months and 6% cuts across the board,
0: uh, lots of jobs that have offset that by far. Totally. And Jordan completely missed. And even he did have a book and I remember reading it thinking like, wow, I, this is, is this right? This just feels very, uh, this does not feel true to me. But it felt like, as a young person, I did not have other voices to kind of to to counterbalance that, and I, I am concerned about the, there being this kind of dominant zeitgeist that discourages people from pursuing something that they otherwise like. You should not go into computer science if you do not like it. I mean, if you, if, if, if you, if you hate it, you should go to something else. But if you do like it, you shouldn't let someone tell you that there's not a future in it. And this is true for, by the way, whatever you pursue don't let people tell you that
4: there's not a future
0: in it um, because it is really hard to predict the future as it turns out.
4: I will certainly say like Brian, even if they're, I don't mean to interrupt your train of thought here, but like thinking about sort of my, like a bullish estimate of what say chat GPT can do for my productivity as a programmer today. and, And let's say like the kind of stuff I'm doing is the kind of stuff it excels at, right? I am, I'm gluing together different APIs and I'm doing so in JavaScript and there's Lots of you know evidence base out there, and the corporate trained on it can really make me faster. Yeah, it's probably it's probably something like a fifty percent power up, right? Like the kind of productivity boost that like you'd be foolish to ignore. It's a significant yeah, right. thing. But um, if I were to think sort of more broadly over the kind of time period we're talking about, over the span of say two or three decades, you know, what has uh, what is the area under the curve of like all the programmer productivity improvements, right? So you know. Languages that are arguably more productivity-oriented, not having to manually manage memory, you know, higher-performing machines, whatever. Um, I, let's go a few decades back, right? Let's go back to sort of the '70s when it was considered a, a, a feat of absolute absolute mastery to be able to write a chess program, right? That was considered like a, you were really, you know, well beyond a mere apprentice programmer if you could make a computer pr- uh, play a game of chess. And there is no open source
0: like really in the '70s. So it's like you, are, if you're right. writing a test program, it's like because you wrote it, like you did not yeah. get any portion of that off of GitHub.
4: And you probably, I mean, and there wasn't an internet to speak of, and so you probably learned it yourself, and so on, or like you know, you probably didn't have a real community to learn in, and yada yada. So I think overall, like, there's probably something like a hundred x. It's certainly more than ten x. Like that, that the average programmer's productivity is greater now than it was in the '70s. And there's a ton more programming jobs than there were in the seventies because of induced demand, right? Like the more software we make, the more software we need to fix all the software. Yes. And yes. I don't think that like GPT is the straw that breaks that back by any stretch, at least not yet. Yes.
0: And in fact, you, you're getting to something else that I wanted to bring up, which is Jevons paradox. So I don't know if you're familiar with the Jevons paradox, but the Scottish economist who observed that when we became much more efficient with respect to using energy... We that energy use went up. It's like, wait a minute, we got much more efficient. Why are we using more of it? It's like, well, because we're becoming so much more efficient that we are finding new places to use it that we could not economically use it before. So we actually need to, we're using more of it. And I feel that that's certainly what we have seen we, in the last decades with, with, I think you're right. I mean, it's at
3: least 100X, I feel.
0: And... Right. um. But as a result, like now, there's a bunch more stuff that we can go do that we just couldn't do before. We just did not have a way of doing. It is like, you know, think like when I was a kid, like how did I coordinate without a cell phone? Like, oh right, we just didn't. It was just bad. I just spent a lot of time like waiting to be picked up places and miscommunicating with people and leaving notes for people. It was just like, it was just bad. And um, it, I, it, you on the know, with hand, that sometimes kind of, it was quiet. <laughs> True. But you can, th- th- This is. You need to turn off your bot that's feeding you fake hacker news articles, Josh. <laughs> exactly. Well, I...
4: You know, it's almost impossible these days is to feel truly bored. By the way, Have you noticed how like rare that state is and how precious it is to actually achieve. Oh yeah, boredom is great. I mean, it's the... good old fashioned like I'm stuck waiting for a bus and like didn't bring a book and didn't bring a newspaper and. That's right. Yeah.
2: Exactly. Or Already... my special ADHD-powered hell is when hacker news. Is suddenly infinite scroll, and like, <laughs> and then, like I've read the t- the ten or, or whatever that are on the page, but then like the computer is like, well, I'll show you the next ten. All right, now I'm just going to start making them up, and I'm not going to tell you like which right. ones are made up,
0: and I'm just going to let you scroll literally until you die from scrolling. Well, like, I, I, I do think that this is part of the, of Keith's dystopia about where these LLMs are modified or are, are optimized for engagement, it is frightening because like, look, Josh, I think I can speak for both of us that like engaging us is not exactly rocket science. Like it is not hard to figure no. out. <laughs> I, one, one, I mean, one need only listen to one
2: episode of this show. No, I think
3: you could write
1: something in
0: scheme to, to troll you for a couple of days. Absolutely. <laughs> oh, sh- exactly. You could troll me into, I, I mean, I troll myself into a stupor all the time. Like I don't even need anyone. I don't even need some sort of fancy large, large language model to do it. So it, it does get a little bit alarming when you think about it, but you also wonder, and Keith, do you think we've hit like peak engagement at some level where people are more cognizant of how they're, I mean, um, I, I, I don't know. They, um, I, I don't know if we are are, are going to be going to have better uh, immune responses to, to how that's being engaged, how we're being engaged.
4: Yeah. I mean, it's tough to predict, but like there's a, uh, We certainly, like, live in a world where there is now status associated with, like, being resistant to those kinds of forces, right? The kind of, uh, like, younger, especially, like, I spend a lot of time with young founders these days because I've uh, left honest work to enter venture capital. And, uh, (laughs) like, those folks, like, a lot of them uh, kind of follow these extremely um, austere kind of lifestyles, right? So they, you know have a rigid morning routine and a crazy like workout regime and weird dietary rules and like you know have to jump into a cold bath for 30 minutes a day or whatever because they're going to like live forever and be geniuses if they do all this stuff and uh certainly part of that is like resisting all sort of like dopaminergic engagement loops like part of that is like turning your phone off and avoiding all that stuff and so on and so forth so there's at least like social status associated with resisting these things now, which is you know, <laughs> perhaps the first sign that uh, that they're on their way out. But who knows? Maybe that's just a fad. Yeah.
0: So it, it, well, one of the things I'm definitely curious about, and and we mentioned at the top, and uh, Ashley, you, I think I think you're on stage here. Maybe could you speak to what you've done with documentation? Because I'm really curious about because yeah. that, that, that that is something that that. Uh, if we can somehow use this stuff to write better documentation, to read documentation, to that—that's really interesting.
5: Yeah. So, I mean, I guess the first thing I'll say is like, I'm not like an AI developer or anything. I just build dev tools. But uh, it is worth noting that if you want to build with ChatGPT, it's it's stupid easy. Uh, like terrifyingly easy. Um, And I say terrifyingly just because I think the mesmerizing effect that it has on people and the fact that people could deploy it so easily like is a little dangerous, I think. Uh, But yeah, uh, I spent, first I took a naive model and I was using the Turbo 3.5 because that's the one that's available in the API. And I started with just using prompts. uh, And then eventually I went to trying to train it a little bit more specifically on some documentation. Uh, But yeah, I mean, it hallucinates a whole bunch of things uh, that makes (laughs) it really tricky. Because if you want (laughs) to use tools, you need to know what features those tools have. But kind of, I thought it was like a hilarious product manager kind of thing. Because it's sort of like, Hallucinated features that you would want that tool to have, but it may or may not have.
0: <laughs> I feel like you're describing a coworker. It's like, listen, this coworker has got a serious drug problem and, they are, <laughs> and they're often high at work. I mean, like high, high as a kite, but <laughs> it's like, oh, okay. Other uh, than that, strong recommend, <laughs> great hire.
1: But
5: the, thing, the thing that I think is really interesting, and I think that like ChatGPT can potentially help us. Alongside documentation, but there's this this weird kind of like Ouroboros situation, right? Where like the AI is like really only as useful as its training, <laughs> and yeah. the training is the documentation. And so, like, if we decide that like everybody's job is over, and like all the code's gonna get written by the AI, like. We kind of have a, like, I am sitting in a room situation where we just have the same data, like, going in and out over and over and over again till I don't know, the harmony of the internet plays. But, like, <laughs> we, we still need that content. Um, and, like, that's kind of how we, like, escape that loop. Uh, and so I don't think that we can have AI, like, own that from, like, start to finish because it's going to have to be the thing that we feed it with. <laughs> it, it,
0: totally. And, and I think that we, it, and this is why I do think we want to start, we really want to be thinking of it as a tool to help us write the, the docs that we wouldn't, you can't think it's like, this is going to write all my documentation for me. But it, 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 it's more that, it, boy, if this thing can consume the documentation over here and, and then consume and, and help me synthesize examples, for example. I mean, like if, if we, if, if GPT only serves to provide people with much many more correct examples for how to use something, that'd be great. The question is, like, the hallucination problem does sound like it's real. Have you? Did you try GPT four? By the way, or have you? Did you just been? This is all on three five because that's what you had access to.
5: Yeah, I didn't have. I couldn't figure out a way to programmatically use four because uh, I was like, there's like a cool Rust library if folks want to do it. Like spinning up like a Rust CLI that like does the basic chat GPT thing is like incredibly easy. <laughs>
0: And have you used, um, did you use it to, tr- to generate any rust? Because that's the other thing I've not played around with at all. I'd be kind of curious how, how it does at rust.
5: Yeah, I mean, I think one of the other things, and this goes back to me saying that, like, developing content for this stuff is super important. Um, it's, re- it's not good at stuff that's new, and it's not good at stuff that not a lot of people do or people aren't using quite yet. And so, like a thing that I'm particularly interested in, and like if I need to pivot my startup to an AI startup, this is what I'd want to do, is like we need to be able to train models really specifically on like the new things that are coming out, uh, mm. and be able to like self-publish. I think those things. Um, Because a lot of times, and at least the things that I like doing as a software developer, are doing, like, the hard things that, like, no one's done, like, before. Like, when I worked at Cloudflare, they were like, make Rust-generated WebAssembly work on workers. Like, an AI is not going to be able to do that. I'm going to have to write the docs so that an API can learn how to. Um... And so so this is a,
0: Yeah. And this is a really important point, actually, because this is a lot of what we do in software engineering is we create new things like we are not. And, you know, I think we are often bad at estimating how long it takes us to do something because we are doing something new. That if you are doing something that is the estimates get very good if you're writing the same software over and over again, which we generally aren't doing.
5: Yeah, and I guess I would call out, I don't know if folks know Julia Evans, but she makes these, like, amazing programming zines. But she has this one on being a wizard programmer, and it's just, like, literally, like, the quote is, like, oh, this is why they pay me, a human, to do this. And it's about, like, when literally no one knows how to do it, like, it's your job to figure it out. And so, like, I do think it's possible that, like... AI will like help that happen. But at least at least my understanding of how large language models work is they're specifically like not new. They are like predicting what would already happen. Like and so if we want to like make any sort of progress, and that's like a complicated word for the Heidegger fans in the chat, which I would be surprised <laughs> if there were any. Exactly. Um, it's it's more than, than one. Uh, but yeah, like they're, we still need to like make stuff. Yeah. Um,
2: So I don't know. It doesn't feel like it completely synthesizes new concepts or new directions so much, really. It
5: doesn't at all, at least as far as I can tell. It's like a really great detector. So, like, when I talk about designing developer tools, right, I think ergonomics and familiarity are like very, very close. And nerds get really mad at me when I say that, but she's like, it feels easier to use because you're used to using something like this. ChatGPT is perfect for this because it's going to try and use your thing the way it tries to use everything. So it's like a great weirdness budget detector.
0: <laughs> oh, that's um, interesting. That, that's it, a great you, way I, of phrasing it. Yeah. Yeah, that's really interesting. <laughs> I'm um, now I'm worried that the fact that I can't write. Trace maybe that's a reflection on us. Maybe we're <laughs> right to keep going about us being <laughs> weird.
5: You actually, you should have made it more ergonomic.
0: That's right, no, but th- th- that's really interesting. That uh, allowing and kind of giving it some of the tasks that you expect um, someone using your thing to be able to do, and then kind of watch the mistakes that it makes as like, okay, this is an indicator that the ergon- ergonomics are wrong because the large language model is making the wrong prediction. That's really interesting.
5: I mean, it's kind of cool to think that, like, you can think of ChatGPT as being tra- trained on, like, every single ding-dong that's ever made a comment on Stack Overflow ever. <laughs> and if you, like, right. want to know, like, do people on Stack Overflow, will they, like, be able to figure out how to use this, like... Yeah, I mean, if it's struggling, then you might want to consider modeling your API on other ones that people are more familiar with.
0: I also have to say that, like, if if the the, the net consequence for software engineers is that we no longer go to Stack Overflow ever, I, I feel that that's a win. I don't care what replaces it. I don't care. I. I, I... I don't know. Adam, how do you go to Stack Overflow? I do not like myself when going to Stack Overflow. No, I'm no, really right.
5: optimistic about things. I think not only will there be more people than ever will be programmers, and they will be writing much, much more interesting things. Like, we're yeah, writing, everyone's writing, like, super boring, like, I don't know, like, so much glue code. It's boring. Like, wouldn't it be great if we didn't have to write as much of that? Like... I, I see it a lot more like a power tool and you know, carpenters didn't go away because power tools exist.
1: No, that's right. Like, I, I think if we, if we can focus on the more interesting parts as the example that I, that I kicked it off with in a totally different domain. Yeah, totally agreed. Uh, hey, Flavius, you said you had a, a comment in this domain.
6: Yeah, so um, the, I see oh, the ergonomics aspect of it as more that ChatGPT provides you a way to unsee. Um, To like not be able to understand what's going on um, which allows you to function as if something works when it doesn't work Which feels good, but doesn't necessarily actually work Um, so like it's in a Heidegger sense it gives the illusion of something being ready to hand when it's actually present at hand or unready to hand Um, and the Yeah, so that's that's like how programmers experience it and then the flip side of it the the side where one of the reasons i think like a lot of bosses or or owners are really excited about it the hegel connection where like if you if you look at the uh the lord bondsman um dialectic kind of way of looking at things it's like the uh the worker works the lord tells the worker what to do um, but the worker is the one who actually builds up expertise, and in a, a Heideggerian sense, the worker is the only one who actually who actually is able to interact with equipment. Like they're the only one who uh, can use this stuff as a uh, like as phenomenologically transparent. Hmm. Um, so you know when I'm when I'm programming and and everything is working it's like it just goes straight from my soul out onto like onto the disk and uh, even when i encounter problems if i'm encountering a problem at the level of of the task i'm trying to solve uh it's like i still uh i still get to experience this uh this incredible process of creation right but if i if i was a boss if i like even even when you have just become a technical manager right you Stop being able to write code all day and you have to like tell people what to do you have to manage people rather than just writing code um, and you can't treat people as phenomenologically transparent right like they're they are beings in the world uh, so so they get to do that but you get to tell them what to do right and this like Ability to unsee like it's it's built on top of a whole lot of hyper-abstracted labor. So you uh, You know it, it, what it Promises the the owners or the the you know, the the lords in this scenario is The ability to effortlessly create because all of the effort is coming from sort of hyper-abstracted labor that's you know the the corpus that these things have been trained on and then all of the sort of whitewashed or invisibilized like uh mechanical Turks who are in um various little uh small contracting companies around the world actually Yeah. The unseen folks about. that are actually yeah, labeling exactly. and everything
0: else. Yeah, 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 yeah.
6: Yeah, um, so it it gives them the feeling of that phenomenological transparency uh, without having to actually become a worker. And I think that's kind of what the the owners want out of it.
2: I, I do think that property of it, where a lot of people perceive the value in being, I think, that they don't need to know anything to get stuff done anymore, like it's going to be this machine that just does stuff, and I don't have to deal with any of the pesky people I used to have to deal with to get things that were complicated done.
0: Yeah. I, <laughs> I do know like it's like, it, you, yeah, the, well, the, like, and, and, and I think, and, I think, and think, also, like, is telling me this can be done in an afternoon. Why are you, why are you <laughs> Perky, saying it's going to take you a
2: week? Like this, I, I, I think the... Well, you- but things like that. But then, like, I think it also has turned a lot of people who were probably copyright minimalists to begin with are suddenly now copyright maximists. Because I don't think anyone really anticipated that one company would be able to absorb everything everybody had written before. And then take the yeah. n- name off the top of the paper, basically, and allow other people to use it. Like, everything. Not one thing, but everything. Like,
3: it, well, can, it is definitely true. Infinite plagiarism
0: are... in all directions. Like, well, and we need this, it needed open source to, to have that kind of corpus of code. Um, yes, because it's not um, fucking trained on Windows, that's for sure. Like, that's I mean, right. um, I did think it's interesting. So, uh, th- and uh, Chad Brubaker in the chat has uh, asked Chat gbt four to do a code review of a PR that I've got up. That I'd like to point out is still, it's actually, it's, I think it's actually no longer a draft PR, even though I'm really thinking of it as a draft PR. Um, and it's interesting. Um, I mean, it has given me a a code review comment. Um, where it has found an unwrap, and it's like, well, this this should not be an unwrap. Uh, and you're not familiar with rust. this is basically uh, where I'm, I you are effectively sur- asserting that this is something and you're unwrapping that something. Um, but it's a very facile comment that it's offering me because that particular unwrap it, it can't fail that particular unwrap for other reasons because of where we are. And I do wonder i now I really want to add a comment above it. Explaining that the unwrap can't fail and see if it still offers the code review because it's like its suggestion is wrong. I mean, its suggestion is like, oh, you should change this to be like a much more ornate panic. It's like, no, no, you definitely shouldn't because your state is corrupt if there's no, there is no way to do that.
1: yeah, Chad GPT, just just don't feel bad. This is what Brian says when I code review his code too he, he dismisses <laughs> my comments as as minimal <laughs> and my suggestions as irrelevant, so I, we're you're a good drop company. It all
2: at you and <laughs>
0: That's <laughs> right. Well, listen, I, if you would, if you not hallucinate so frequently when you code review me, Adam, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't have to be, you know, so, uh, so firm with you. But, no, uh, no, yeah. it's everybody else. It's not you. I agree. <laughs> exactly. Thank you. No, but I think it's really interesting. So, no, uh, but I really wanted to, because like a reasonable, uh, if one saw that, it's not necessarily an unreasonable comment of like, hey, could this unwrap fail? And it can't. But so I would, I, again, I want to like add the code comment there and see if it no longer makes the comment, um, with the comment mm-hmm. explaining why the unwrap is safe. It's a very pedestrian comment though.
2: And you do have to, it's like, have you made this it comment is. first because you've seen this comment made so many other times in blog posts and so on around, and then I saw a paragraph of explanatory text begging people not to use Unwrap that way.
1: That, that is, you know, that's a really interesting point, <laughs> Josh, because I think we're not good
2: at code review. Like, large, large, you know, writ large. What, what, we have like, a whole show I on did, this topic.
3: What like, I want to know is, like
2: if, if, if I unlock the same mutex twice in the same block, is it going to tell yeah. me that I did yeah, that, you wrong? Can that. Like, yeah, 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 that'd be interesting. Is it going to, like, yeah. a lock ordering? Is it going to understand that? I struggle to un- to believe that it can even reliably generate, like, complex Rust on mass anyway, because the constraints... Like English is pretty forgiving.
3: Previously, someone brought, uh, previously someone brought up that the chat uh, GPT or whatever uh, basically turns your text into a hypercube inspects specs that once, looks what's next spec token, next best token, pushes out the last most token, and then it generates the next token. What's the up uh, thing about the structure is that it's basically a finite state machine, nothing else, a finite state machine without registers, without things, which exposes a quite interesting and obvious problem. It cannot deal with, um, it cannot deal and it can never deal with um, nested parentheses. it didn't see in training, so uh, computer science-y languages which require a stack to parse. It can only do those if it learned to embed the fact that there is a stack inside its finite state machine. Basically, it uh, gets a hyperdimensional state with like, all the it has and then it basically walks the stack through that part thing, but it can't learn new uh, bracketed languages, which it didn't encounter before, which is quite interesting constraint because it just, and so
0: it, it, so, it, yeah, and so that's, I mean, it's definitely true. I mean, I'm just, again, I think it is, I'm really looking forward to getting like GPT-4 out because I'm just looking at this code review comment. Again, like re- reading the code review comment it had closely. And on the one hand, okay, yeah, a bit of a fast-talk comment. On the other hand, like its suggestion wouldn't be, it. it, it its suggestion is very mindful of the context of the broader code in a really impressive, I mean, I'm overall impressed with its comment. And it is not. I mean, it's common. Compiles correctly. It is. It, it has generated an error message that would be on point if this were possible to hit. I mean, it's pretty. It's interesting. And so I. I would. I think we're going to have to give it a shot on a lot of this stuff before we just assume they can't learn anything new because it definitely has. Just as Keith was saying earlier, there is. It, there is some emergent behavior that even the experts don't understand that could be interesting. And I think we're going to want to t- treat it seriously, but not actually, uh, I, I don't think we're going to need to to be worried about it replacing us. I think it's actually, and I loved the kind of the point you had about allowing a lot more people to develop software because it does feel like it's going to make this a lot more accessible. Do you want to talk about some of the, the work that you've done with kids in terms of what you think? Because I think actually like my daughter with I, like Roblox just rolled out the, uh, some, um ai assisted stuff today she would love that she's 10 she's gonna love making stuff with that
5: i think you're tagging me in for my work with kids uh i guess i have done some work with kids but the vast majority of the education work i've done is with adults um and yeah (laughs) young Uh, and hot Sure, of course. Yes, absolutely. Actually, most of them are very, very old at heart and desperately trying to get out of jobs that they really didn't like doing because they wanted to do something like exciting. And so, like, the things that I've seen beginners get tripped up on in programming are never the like high end CS concepts. Because, I mean, if you're actually writing an application, the chances that you're running into those in a meaningful way is already like pretty small. Um, but it's like navigating the file system. It's like, how do I make sure the computer knows that the file is here? Like it's, it's typos. It's, it's really, really basic stuff. And so like the general ideas that are behind a lot of applications are things that people have a lot of intuition for. I always love telling people like students have an intuition for types. And then we teach them out of it by like teaching them yeah, to right. or their Python first. Um, I, so many students were like, how do I tell it what type of thing it is? And I'm like, you don't, it guesses later. And they're like, what? I'm like, yep. (laughs) Uh, but yeah, I mean, I think a lot of people know what they want computers to do for them. And we just really haven't given them great interfaces for doing that. And, uh,
0: I, I, actually, are you a GPT maximalist? I mean, it sounds like the, the, you're. This is. I, I mean, I love it. I it's great. It's I think it's really
5: positive, but that's also yeah, because sure. maybe it's because I studied like a ton of neuroscience. Like my first job, I actually accidentally worked under a DARPA grant, writing like encoding neural networks in Java under the auspices of this like really ridiculous like teach kids math using their own perception thing. Anyways, there's weird. Weird labs that have been doing stuff like this for a while, like in corners of universities, and I stumbled into one um, when I was uh, in college. But, I don't know, I think that they are very, very interesting tools, but they're not, the. if we're worried about stuff like religions and stuff, it's not the LLMs that we have to worry about, it's everybody's reaction to them. Very similar to the banking crisis thing. I think the thing to worry about is everybody's reaction. And so, I also might be like pulling a little manifestation, perhaps, in that, like, I think if we are excited and optimistic and see the benefits here, we have the opportunity to build a future where we live harmoniously alongside it. Uh, and then there's other options too, but I like those less. So, I want to build the like really positive situation. And I think I, that, like, I, think God, I love cool. that. <laughs> oh my
0: God. I love that. No, I love that. I really do because I, I feel that, I mean, I do feel like optimism is something that has been, uh, it's been like the most
5: optimistic human in the world. So anybody who actually knows who I am is probably surprised <laughs> to hear this.
0: <laughs> but, I, I, well, but I think like we can be both, right. In terms of, like, we can be realistic and also, and, and certainly be cognizant of the perils of a technology. But I think that that fundamental optimism is really, really important. Because I, I, just I, I think that it does. It, there's so much that is going to be made possible by this. That would be just to, to, to Keith's point a, a little while ago about the kind of the 100x multiplier. And you know, I, I think of like the number of people that have that have been in search of like a t- oh boy. I need a technical co-founder. Like I've got an idea, but I don't know how to like manifest that at all. And I've always been like, you should actually literally learn to code. Like you don't actually need a technical co-founder. You need like a book on Python and some patience and some real resolve on this idea. But boy, this is going to make that a lot easier when people can actually get jump-started. And I, I, it just feels like it, if we think of it optimistically, I think we're much more likely to think of it as a tool. Is that a, is that a fair summary of what you just said, Ashley?
5: I mean, I definitely think so. I think it's also worth noting like, people often respond really defensively to change. Uh, I don't, like, talk about human nature a lot, but it's certainly in my experience that people really respond defensively to it. But if I were to, like, evaluate how I feel about software right now, like, in general, I would say that the vast majority of people are suffering just, like, absolutely terrible software that is not customized for what they need to do. Um, and it it's, like, a terrible experience for them. And I think that there's an opportunity for us to, like... Like, think of it like plug-in ecosystems, but, like, much better. <laughs> um, totally. And, like, I, th- I think that that could potentially be, like, really fantastic. And, again, yes, it's, like, 100% seeing Chad GPT as a tool. Um, now, I mean, there's a lot of interesting, like, market economics around this. Like, with, like, the rise of these massive centralized SaaS's, like, came because Of the giant mismatch between supply and demand of software developers. Um, And like, there's been people who have been afraid of expanding the pool of software developers for a really long time. Somebody in the chat like asked after I made a comment, like, oh, there are people who are like afraid of boot camps. Yes, they're absolutely thought that literally like Mm -hmm. boot camps were coming for their jobs. Like, software developers are extreme. I mean, I don't think it's unique in professions, but. I happen to be very close to it, but they're really defensive of like this like guarded knowledge that they have. And so I do think that we're seeing some of this here too, is like, oh, and this is what I see when people are like, oh, look at that answer, like that's so technically wrong. Like I'm gonna code review the code review. Oh, that code is bad. I'm just like, most people can't write any code. Um, this is an opportunity to get so many more people writing code, and I've always thought that the more people we have writing code, From the most diverse backgrounds possible, it means that we're going to end up with like the coolest, most interesting software. Uh, And we have like boring software right now because there's only this tiny margin of people writing it. Um, So, yeah, I'm excited.
0: (laughs) Yeah, that's interesting. And then maybe in in, in kind of that worldview, it's actually a little bit better that this thing is not writing perfect software because it writes you something that like kind of works but kind of doesn't. And then as a result, like you've got to actually understand that the thing that it wrote because you're going to need to figure out why it's wrong. Um, or help work with it to find out why it's wrong. And as a result, get some understanding. So it's not, because I think that the, the fear that people have is we don't want the software to become this kind of opaque box where people don't understand at all how it works. Um, but of course, like we already don't, I mean, I, I was going to say,
5: that's most software. This is like the galaxy <laughs> of open source. Like, people are like, oh, it's open source. I'm like, oh, yeah, you went and read that repo and you know how that code works. No, there's already so <laughs> much code out there. It's all a black box. Like, it doesn't yeah. matter if it's available. That's the joke. Like, Everything, like, the level of complexity of the information held in our software now is so many more times greater than it was at the, like, beginning of open source that, like, literally people stopped caring about the software being available because it was simply too much to understand. So, like, there's already all these black boxes all over the place. I think you have to just decide which layer you want to pay attention to.
0: Totally, yeah. Because I, I, mean, as I, even as I was saying that, I'm like, wait a minute. We consume these APIs without understanding what's on what's on the other end of that API. People don't understand. They don't, and they should be expected to understand these lower layers of abstraction and and how like, how this is actually turning into instructions in the machine and how those instructions are turning into operations on the bus and how how the operations on the bus are turning into fields. I mean, it's like we actually don't need to understand all that. We actually can have layers of abstraction that allow us to build stuff. That's actually it's actually okay. It's actually good. It's how we actually. Are allowed to do more with less
5: yeah i mean it's really funny that programmers are just like literal abstraction machines and they are like super threatened by any layers of abstraction on top of what they happen to be doing and like i see chat gpt and like it writing code as like a layer above like i don't know it's kind of like a it's like web flow and i didn't see a lot of people get freaked out about that so <laughs>
0: what is web flow
5: Webflow is if you want to make, like, one of those fancy JavaScript pages that's, like, really slow because it loads too much JavaScript, uh, but you don't want to write any of that JavaScript.
1: <laughs> right. Does that help you, Brian? Yeah, that helps. That helps.
5: Uh, <laughs> Honestly, like, Webflow is not really awesome... What if,
2: it, what if it wasn't shoddy, though? Like, what if the output was actually fantastic? That'd
5: be great! No, I mean, okay. I, I really shouldn't have ragged on Webflow. I'm just laughing because I can tell what sites are made with Webflow because, like, everything's animated. I'm just like, okay, this is made in Webflow. Um, like, the output's not bad. I think we have lots of tools today that, like, make great output. I mean, also, like, I don't know, just look like, look at WordPress. I don't know. Developers also love to hate WordPress, so.
0: There but I go. think in terms of the... Of, of <laughs> the the degree to which it, it lowers the barrier. I mean, just like, I mean, blogging did lower the barrier for people to write online. I mean, the, and we have over and over again seen that that has created, that cr- just creates more. We're able to do more with human potential when we, when we lower the barriers. And so actually one of the questions I was asked in the chat is like, do you think software is boring because there aren't enough people who can write it or because of the economic incentives um, and, and the needs of the people
5: who can? I think it's, I why not both? Um, I go, so why not both? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> do I have to pick? Those are both reasons why, I, like, those are two, like, affordances that I think do cause some issues. Um, I don't know. I think, in some ways, the financial incentives, like the economic incentives, I don't know. Design loves constraints, right? So I think, I think constraints can be very interesting in, like, the types of things that we end up building. Um, but yeah, I don't know. The, the internet is like a massive like SAT solver for like all of human everything. And I definitely think it would, we'd see cooler, more interesting software if we had more people writing it. At the very least, we could have people who have some domain knowledge writing yeah. the like Rails Generate for like their domain. And it won't make really horrible, just like embarrassing mistakes. Um, I think that'd be cool. Like if doctors wrote doctor software, we'd probably have better doctor software.
0: Well, and I think also that we we've seen if I mean if history is any guide, where these also technologies that that tend to have a, a a broader base that appeal to many more people tend to bring just more people in. They tend to get more people excited about it, and we will. I mean, there's an argument to be made that that uh, GPT-based software will ultimately result in more people who are writing assembly because there'll be people who are introduced to software that way and begin to. I mean. It, it, just by lowering that barrier and getting more people excited about actually creating things. Yeah, the, the, actually your optimism is infectious. I'm, 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 I'm with so you. I'm so
5: glad. I felt like we were getting into a little dark place. When you started- I think
0: we are. I think we are getting a little dark.
5: And I was like a little nervous about that because I do genuinely think there's some positive things about it. And uh, I think one of the things that we haven't chatted about that just lets me talk about something that I like really am excited about is like a lot of people like to say like. Also, my dog is having like a tantrum. I apologize. Um
0: Listen, but, the dog uh, trying to get into the dog is actually like. I know I can go write software now. I know exactly yeah, this trying can to write like...
5: some apps for sure. That's right. um, But like a lot of people are like, oh well, the software that it writes isn't accurate, right? Like it's not perfect. It has bugs and stuff. And I think one of like if we had to talk about like the original sin of computing and like. Richard Feynman actually just writes this in general, but like when we think about trying to make computers act like humans, it was that we focused on building machines that were like 100% precise. Um, But it's not really what most people need. Like if you look at everything in the world, like analog style, like nothing is 100% correct. Even like super smart computer geniuses like me, just kidding. Um, uh, (laughs) But like we, we don't need that perfection And so I think what's going to be interesting and I'm curious to see how this plays out on like a systems level is like, what does it look like when we see the proliferation of like, not quite like great software? Or is this going to mean like, does it not matter that it's not quite great because we're not building these massive centralized general machines and people are making all these little tiny specific machines for themselves?
0: So I think... That the the well, so first of all, I, I do think that there are uh, the reason that we are able to build the stuff we have built is because the foundations actually do work reliably. So I think there is actually software. Actually, I would say that we're actually it correctness is the constraint. And I I mean I don't know how wild we are about, for example, GPT based uh, a GPT committer to to uh, LLVM might make me a little bit nervous. Might make a lot of people a little bit nervous. Um, because we actually do really require um, correctness there. We, we require correctness. Correctness is a constraint. I, I do think that you... And I think that part of what I love about Rust is that it actually uh, broadens that the amount of software where correctness really is a constraint. And I think that that is actually great. At the same time, I... Yeah, right, I, okay. You're I, getting I, roasted
5: I, in the comments, Brian. No, no, I
0: know, I know. Well,
5: I, I, I was... I,
0: <laughs> but i mean there is like you, you actually you actually do rely on your operating i mean like there was a time when your operating system would actually just die and it actually made te- the, the technology when it's not a reliable substrate it actually is a problem and we you do need that to be reliable and we actually do need to understand when it fails but th- but that that software being ultra reliable allows you to build a bunch of the stuff up stack that where you, you don't need a, 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 I, I think it, yeah. more being more approximate is fine.
5: But so I think this is why the threat from ChatGPT is like something that folks are more worried about than say like the example I used before, which is Webflow, is because Chat ChatGPT at least appears to be able to do this on all layers of abstraction, whereas like previously a lot of no-code and low-code tools tend to be. Um, closer to like the human than the metal, I guess. And so it's like, what would Webflow look like for an operating system? And
2: also just very rigid in their construction, generally, I feel like.
5: Oh, you mean like stuff, well, I don't like know Like a, a know lot it. of
2: no-code tools end up like, like you can tell that it came from a particular no-code tool, I think, because the output is very similar. And, and like they think, the swim lane that you're in when you're using those tools is often, because someone had to write all of that stuff. You know, yeah, all, all, totally. all of the configurable bits and all of the flexible bits, like and there's just only so much complexity you can manage in a software product. Uh, I feel I do, like it had that, it often has that kind of limitation.
5: I do sort of wonder like, do we think that ChatGPT will have a tell? And if so, like, what will it be? Like, will we be able to be like, oh, I can tell that this was from Chat GPT. I wonder if that's possible. Kind of like uh, I don't know, like it's the, the fake the street right? thing, right? You see, what was that?
2: The the fake street thing. When people were producing street directories and atlases and so on, they would put fake streets into <laughs> the maps, so that you oh, to figure out who who it point is. out in court. Well, obviously, you know, Boysenberry Street is not there. That's that's you stole that from our map.
0: Like so, uh, Josh, are you going to start naming? Are your variables going to get very idiosyncratic names? So they you already can, have idiosyncratic names. Clippy is always complaining. <laughs> That's because Clippy wants to actually throw you into the, uh, the chat GPT woodchipper. It actually needs, it's going to make for, uh, for terrible fuel for our GPT overlords if it has this idiosyncratic variable naming. I don't,
2: I don't have time to type more than one character or variable. <laughs> I'm competing with AI.
0: Come on. Well, so, and I'm curious, and then Jacob, during the chat, I would love to get your perspective and maybe uh, on just terms of students and GPT, um, because it um, it sounds like you are currently a student and what, how is GPT kind of changing your relationship with software or the relationship of, of your classmates?
7: Yeah, uh, awesome. I'd love to chip in. Um, it's both, I think, awe-inspiring and frightening. Um, I definitely have had some conversations both with people, job recruiters and stuff like that, where I I feel like it's almost a warning that I have to give along with my classmates where it's like, I don't really know whether it's going to be a huge positive or a huge negative. I have some friends who rely on ChatGPT to do almost everything in their schoolwork just because they can and there's no cost to it. Um,
0: and so, so you are an undergraduate or graduate? Where, do, where are you kind of in your education? And... An
7: undergraduate. Uh I'm in computer engineering uh, okay. at the University of British Columbia. Um okay. and yeah, I'm in like second, third ish year. Um okay. and so yeah, seeing people learning like, you know, learning how to write assembly per se, and relying on Chad GPT to like debug like ARM64 output. Or to you know solve Stack Overflow problems, or you know for writing malloc and stuff like that uh, are things that I've like seen people try and like wield this really not spec for tool to try and solve. Um, sometimes the results are good, but sometimes I think like uh, I had some conversations with people in the chat here. Like you've people spend a bunch more time just trying to get chat GPT to solve it than figuring it out themselves. <laughs> it would actually would been you would have been actually faster to just write this yourself. Interesting.
0: And what uh, what was uh, how um, do your professors react to uh, GPT assisted work? Is there a policy, or how does that work?
7: Um, I I think right now the best is that like most of them probably from a coding side can mostly rely on the fact that most of the time it's just wrong, but like (laughs) the there definitely is I think like a lack of wanting to really search for like ways to weed this stuff out like because the prompt generation is so varied that like you know you can query these things multiple times and get it to give different answers um even if like you're on I think ChatGPT's website and you can like move the slider not for ChatGPT per se but some of the other models um for like how random it wants to give the output there isn't like a widely deployed tool for them to use to like pick up ChatGPT like how would you Sometimes these questions are super narrowly scoped and so like it's really hard to argue what is what would or wouldn't really be Chad GPT output. Um right. so that is kind of scary in a sense. But yeah, I mean I view it a lot of the times mostly as like a worrying amount of like how much are we understanding these things if your kind of go-to is something that's now going to like be responsible for understanding you know your code or what you want you to do. If you're not like evaluating and understanding the semantics I think that that's that's the real downside that comes from like ChatGPT. If it's especially when we're being asked to do a lot of things that are very like web searchable, um, at this stage, right? I mean, it does kind of it it requires uh, assignments
0: to be. Um, I mean, you can't just use the same assignment or it uses an assignment that another. But this isn't that hasn't that been true for a while that stuff has been Googleable. I mean, it, it, clearly this is uh, it's kind of a next level internet searching at some level um do are people actually trying to when they're trying to debug their code are they sending that in the gpt and having gpt find it for them
7: definitely like i see like i've seen people put like error messages in, into chat gpt like i mean it comes to all forms of just not understanding which i think is again one of the things where it it can have its upsides and its downsides like i've seen people in lectures take like notes that they've gotten from the prof or like when a prof doesn't say something if they don't understand it they hand it to chat gpt and it like They'll try and see if they can understand it better from that standpoint. Oh, uh, that's, I mean, it's kind of like how, that's that seems like useful
0: to have a, a, a TA that's basically with you at any given moment.
7: Yeah. And like on the upside, it is really good uh, at doing yeah. those things in in a broad sense and wielded wisely. It can be one of these really useful things. And I think like for me in my own sense, it's really hard to, you know, draw the line where, You know, when you know that there's better tools out there, how do you do and walk, you know, a path such that you learn the things properly rather than just relying on ChatGPT to, you know, do your whole degree at like the worst, you know, nth degree? Um, Because like a lot of things, um, you can skip out on a lot of learning if you know that there's fancier tools out there, but you will be like left hung out to dry if you don't have a greater actual understanding of the system, um, you know, you know, to, you know. Play up, or tee up you guys and like, you know, in the field of debugging, you know, having a proper understanding of the system and being able to like, you know, query these things. Sure, there could be, you know, a great GPT interface to, uh, you know, something like Dtrace where it helps you build the scripts. But at some level, you need to understand the application of what you're doing. And I, my only fear as a student is that like, I'll have classmates who aren't learning anymore in that sense, who can get so far with chat gpt that like if for some of these you know for some people it's like if you're getting a 60 like what's you know what's the problem yeah if it's of any consolation uh undergraduates sliding by with the least possible work is not
0: a new phenomenon and uh so that that, that is something that is degrees <laughs> that's
4: right
0: that uh that is something that is as old as time um but the um so so we said that is your only fear i mean is it um for you and kind of for your generationally does it feel net optimistic or uh, i mean do you kind of share ashley's optimism that like hey this is just going to allow me to do more this is basically a good thing
7: uh (laughs) that's a good question i haven't pulled enough of my classmates on that sense i think the most people's scope initially is like this is so handy for insert homework assignment um i don't know many people like broad scope there definitely isn't like uh, you know i've seen some you know doomism over like you know will is your, is your job pointless or whatever? And like, I think obviously right now that that's mostly a joke. And I think that like, um, at current stance, even with the understanding of like what large language models are, like, we're not yet building systems that are actually intent to replace us. It's really incredible that we've built these things that like the only scope and the only design criteria was to make something that's like good at talking to you. And yeah, I, mere coincidence we also accidentally made a robot programmer and you know a robot lawyer and n- not it doesn't do those things well but it's just a weird coincidence you know not really you know but that it that it does these things and so maybe if the scope was like seeing these things seeing people really try to bring to market things that you know aimed to be the ai programmer and like full scope that's what it was trying to do okay maybe there would be fear but i think mostly it is, you know. Uh, A optimism that these things will be used, you know, in a way that makes writing code easier, writing code more helpful, Um, you know, things like GitHub Copilot have been like, I find incredibly useful, mostly just for doing things that, you know, you so you can write code faster. Um, But yeah, there's, it's, it's definitely mixed feelings. I'm, and then what about the desire to actually understand
0: how these things work from in terms of like the actual underlying technology? Does it, I, does it kind of whet the appetite in that regard? I, I imagine the, the GPT, the, 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 the large language model class or equivalent must be one that people are very interested in.
7: Oh, yeah, definitely. Um, I mean, there's, there's definitely a large opening demand in terms of, yeah, the AI course offerings um, that have been given even, yeah, in like the tangential like engineering branch. Um there's been a push for these uh these courses, and let, people really want to dig in um to like to using these things but i i don't know how well people have like a good depth of understanding of like you know what these things are and I think again that's kind of one of those things that, like I've had lots of conversations with friends with is like you know you you see people dismiss g p t when they go like, oh well yeah, but it gave me buggy code it's like the interesting thing isn't that, you know, it was it failed at its task of making code generation. It's this incredible thing that wasn't made to do this, and look what it can do. So I still think that we're, like, struggling for, like, general comprehension of what these things are. There definitely is a push to, like, get more into this space. But, I mean, from what I see, um, like, and in, specifically in my degree of, like, computer engineering, it's definitely a lot of, like, web fear of hardware um, you know, wanting to go to cloud stuff right now. There hasn't been a huge enough directed uptick, I think, at, at AI or like machine learning. Interesting. Well that is I, I, that's
0: great to hear from in terms of uh from the from the trenches. I'm glad that that there's a sense of optimism. Honestly, it makes the domain feel exciting. I and I think that it feels like there's a lot of potential out what, there. What do you think about so my 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 biggest fear is not that this is going to become
2: something that is indispensable or very good, because I think that it will become both of those things, given enough time and investment, as most most labor-saving devices do over time, right? Uh, but, but, like, what about the fact that we're all uh, sh- sharecropping on one specific company's implementation? Like, is, is there going
0: to be... I think that, that I am... Oh. I'm a little bit less concerned about just because I think that what they have done others can are going to be able to do this is not gonna be the only implementation i don't think i i i've got I've got confidence on that I think that that if there again if history is any guide, I just don't think this is going to be the only implementation
5: yeah, first mover advantage is rarely an advantage <laughs> I think there's already like a whole bunch of folks building things and building things more specifically i think that'll end up being more more helpful
0: yeah i think so too when and i i mean i hope they are because i think that that's what's actually going to make it um really i i think that will allow for a lot more utility frankly and I, i mean
5: there is in- one way this could go sideways though which is like i think really possible and this is why i feel like paying attention to like the legal side of these things is really interesting because there's a whole bunch of people getting really spicy about copyright right now and it's possible that training chat gpt the way it was trained may not be accessible allowed legal etc like in the future and i know that there's f eff- like lobbying efforts from open ai uh to kind of do that so that's scary i
0: don't love that um i don't love that data
5: Data provenance (laughs) yeah
0: i don't love that i also i mean again it kind of depends on on the specifics of it but i also feel that that by getting what i would not love i don't i don't love the idea of one company kind of having access to that but certainly speaking for my own, the code that I have open sourced, I would love for as many things to train themselves on that as possible because i, I, I mean, that's the point of open sourcing it. it is, and, I, and I'm not hugely worried about that being a copyright violation. Other copyright holders, I'm sure will
3: disagree.
5: See, I want to take it a step further. Like, I don't know, maybe I'm starting an AI company now, I have no idea. But like, instead of you saying that you hope a lot of people train on your code, I really would love to see a universe where like you train the model for like your particular thing. And like, I don't know, maybe I'm just like inventing dynamic linking all over again, but I really like the idea of like a lot of specific models that can like talk to each other as opposed to all these big massive ones.
0: Yes, I want to drop these models in on like I mean, speaking like just very directly, I want it to be I wanted it to train on our RFDs, the request for discussion we have inside of Oxide. And I would love it to find find things that are inconsistencies in the things that we have done. Find the consist, find the kind of the, c- the consistent narratives. There's so much, I- so many questions I would want to ask someone who had been able to read and retain all of our design documentation. Um, oh my
5: gosh! Well, I started doing this on issue trackers and GitHub discussions. Like that was part of the my like the end part of my experiment over the weekend. Yeah. Um, I think that there's some like really cool stuff there like i think like, i'm like, i'm genuinely excited about that like that's the thing i want to see people build but i think once we all like can become publishers uh then the fear about there being like one giant publisher also goes away
0: i that's exactly it that's exactly it and i think that is actually that's a great note to end on um this has been a really this has been a great conversation i actually this is i feel like Adam, did you feel like this is another one of our stage dives? Like, <laughs> totally, I had no
1: idea which way it was going to go, but this has been terrific. You know, th- thanks to Ashley and to Keith and to others for joining. It's been great.
0: Yeah, the, the Josh and Jacob and and uh, Yo- uh, Johan and a bunch of folks that were on the stage. It was great. Uh, really interesting discussion. Um, and I and I mean, I, I obviously something that a lot of people are thinking about. And I have to say, I love the fact that that the the disposition I think is very net positive, um, which is great. Uh, it, it's, it's a very positive conversation. And I gave, I I feel like there's a lot to look forward to um, and a little bit to fear, but mainly a lot to look forward to. All right. On that note, thanks everyone. See you next time.